We spent the first phase, the first little uh, passage of these 90 days preparing. It was the season of Advent, and that's what Advent is about. It's about getting ready because Christ is coming. Christ is going to do something in this world. And um, I remember a, a professor of mine, we got to talking about the second coming of Christ in class. And he goes, why are you guys settling for that? Christ should come the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh time into our lives. We should see Christ return over and over again because he shows up. Um, I was talking with someone this week uh, who admitted to me that for years they've been angry with God. And I said, you know, that's really hard because he's everywhere and you're going to bump into him. That means you're going to be angry all the time. And he just nodded his head and said, yep, that's exactly right. So we've been doing this work of preparation and we recognize that God is returning. And we see Christ around us and in the faces of those who love him. And uh, now we're transitioning into a season of listening. So we're going to move from preparing to listening. And I want to tell you and admit to you, oh, Andy, you're a great. Andy and I fought this thing this morning. Technology is our friend until it isn't. Um, I want to encourage you to think about listening over the next month, over the next 30 days. We're going to uh, not just think, but I want us to be active in how we listen um, to the Lord. I want to tell you uh, two, two quick stories. One, a really quick story. Uh, this came from, uh, my wife was flipping through the channels this week, and we came across one of these channels that shows old TV shows, and uh, Emergency was on there, one of our favorites that shows you our age. And one of the doctors, Dr. Brackett, or one of them on there, um, and some of you are going, what is emergency? What's he talking about? So Google it. It's on YouTube um, for those of you who are younger. And, and the doctor has a stethoscope, and he's got two little boys in there. And he says, I use this stethoscope to listen to your heart. And so he lets the little boys listen to the heart. And then the one boy says, hey, if I put it up against my brother's head, can I hear what he's thinking? <laughs> wow, wouldn't that be amazing? And yet, as Christians, that's not crazy. Because the Holy Spirit allows us to hear and understand the thoughts of God and the heart of God and the voice of God. And so when it comes to listening intently, the, the visual I want you to have is a stethoscope today. I want you to think about a stethoscope. I'll come back to that. Second story I want to tell you is a story that came out of my ministry. Uh, years ago, in, uh, in 2002, I accepted an appointment to a church in Illinois. And I accepted the appointment based on a series of conversations I had with the superintendent in that conference, with um, a couple of the lay leaders in that church. And what they said, what those three men said to me was they said, you know, we want a, a pastor. We need a new pastor. Their pastor had moved on. He had been there 16 years and had had a fruitful ministry. But they said, we need somebody who can come in and change things. Because our pastor was here 16 years and he kind of got into routines and he did things the same way and we didn't change programs around and he did a really good job of not ruffling any feathers or creating any waves and it was very stable and secure. But we didn't really grow and we didn't really move and we didn't really develop new ministry and so we're looking for someone who can come in and change things. 
And in the course of the conversation, it, it occurred to me, I think, I think I'm the right person for this. I'm the right fit. Not being arrogant or boastful, but it sounded like what they were saying fit with some of the things that God had wired into me. And so I responded to that. And, and over the conversation of about two or three months, we agreed that this is what God was leading us to. So I went to that church and took the appointment. And we got to a point where I said, okay, now we need to start making these changes, but we want to make these changes as we are led by God. We don't just want to come up with good ideas and strategies. Uh, I'm convinced that one of the things that's happening with the church in America today is the churches are being transformed more by strategy than by spirit. So we can come up with an idea and we can market the church to everybody who lives around here and we can have a program that really appeals to them and that's just a strategy, that's a marketing strategy and you can make a church grow that way. Uh, I, but I am convinced that what is more healthy and wholesome and of kingdom worth is a church that listens to and responds to the Holy Spirit. I think that's far more important. So I invited that church into kind of a similar thing that we're doing, except for what we did is I said, we just need to pray and ask God to show us what he wants us to do. And so I made this bold suggestion. I said, for the next three months, let's, whoever wants to, let's get together on Wednesday nights, and we're just going to pray and say, Lord, what do you want us to do as a church? We did it for three months. Every Wednesday night we prayed. And I was surprised by a couple of things. One, I was surprised by the number of people that actually came. When you say, all we're going to do this Wednesday night is pray, I thought, you know, it's going to be me and one or two other people. But that group stayed steady to about 20 or 25 people. And we did. We prayed. And we talked each week about our prayers. What are we asking of God? And what are we hearing from God? And at the end of the three months, I was surprised that there was a very real sense of of agreement on what we had heard. In fact, it was remarkable. I had steeled myself. I had sort of prepared myself that we're going to get to the end of the three months and one guy's going to get up and go, you know what, we should sell this building and we should move out over there and build a new building. And one guy was going to get up and go, you know what we need to do is we just, God told me we need to launch a new children's program and, and we were just going to be all over the map and not in any agreement. And I, I couldn't have been more wrong. And so through that time and in our prayers and our listening to and paying attention to what God was saying, the Lord revealed to us this thing to our church there. And it was this, that the Lord said, I want to build this church, but I do not want to build this church by bringing people from other churches. They're already saved, they're already in the kingdom, and you don't need to Make a plan to make this church more attractive than that one and that one and that one. What you need to do is you need to focus on those who are not with me at all. So that led us into a two-year journey of what it meant to realign our church to reach the lost. I'll tell you, when it started, there were a lot of people who were on the bandwagon. By the time we made those changes, there were several that had gone by the wayside, in part because we didn't really recognize the cost of change. In part because when God speaks, and I'll get to this in a moment, when God speaks to us, it can be a terrifying thing. And when God begins to move, it is no longer we who are in control. 
And so there were people who said, yeah, I know this is the way you need to go. I, re- I heard God say that too, but I'm not ready to make that journey or I'm going to head somewhere else. So the next 30 days are really crucial to me and to you and to our leadership team. We are going to be listening intently, not because we've been ignoring God, but because we're looking for confirmation about what God is already saying and what God is already doing and where he's leading us. And not just because of where we need to go as a church, but because of where you need to go as a follower of Jesus Christ. It's Epiphany. This Sunday, it's what we, in the church here we call Epiphany. We've reached the end of the Christmas season. And uh, we remember the story of the Magi on this day. Um, it's sort of the, the capstone, the, the, the ending of the story of Christ's birth. I love the Magi, mainly because I don't know much about them. <laughs> it's easy to love them when you can make them be whatever you want them to be. By the way, Scripture does not tell us there were three kings. Um, it doesn't tell us there were three. There were three gifts mentioned. But we don't know how many magi there were. They were not kings. They were wise scholars. And um, we don't really know where they came from except the east. That's what it said. They came from the east. And I don't think they mean Boston. Um, and so there's this, there's this mystery. There's, there's so many details that are left out on who the magi were. And I've preached other messages about that. So I'm not going to get into that. But... What's remarkable to me in this story is these people who are the Magi somehow have access to information about what is going on and it's reliable, good information. And they launch on a journey based on this information. And it's information that you and I would probably be really quick to dismiss. If they came in here and said, we're going to see a star... Eventually, And when we see that star, we're going to take gifts because the king is born and we're going to travel to wherever that star leads us. We would go, oh, wait a minute. How far is that? Which direction will that be? How many camels will that require? You know, when will I get home? No answers. A star, that direction until we find the king. I'm telling you, I would not go on that trip. I would go, yeah, you guys are going to get in trouble. And they almost do. They come very close to that. Here's what we read from Matthew's version. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. That's important. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. So the good news is not such good news for Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and the teachers of the religious law and asked, Where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you who will be shepherd for my people Israel. 
Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, Go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem and it went ahead of them and stopped over the place where Christ, where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary. And they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route. For God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. You see... These guys, these strangers, these from another country that have come, they have been paying attention. They've been listening. And they know that this star has something to do with the king, and they want to be there, and they think this is significant. And of course, going to find a king, they go to Herod. And, and, and the obvious question is, by the way, Herod, have you had a son or a grandson? No. But Herod recognizes that somebody's been born and I'm going to be deposed in some form. And so he goes to his scholars. These are Jewish scholars. And he goes, where's the Messiah going to come? Because I think the Messiah has come and I don't like that. Beware of people who war against God. The Magi, they make their way to Bethlehem and they offer their gifts. But then they hear again. They listen again. This time, we're told it's through a dream. They were revealed that they should go home a different way. Don't go back through Jerusalem because you're going to have to answer questions there. So go home a different way and don't place the child at risk. And so they're... They've received a message, they respond to the message, and then in their response to the message, they get another message, and they respond to that one. And there's remarkable obedience at work in the Magi. I, I just, I, it's amazing to me. And somehow they are more obedient than the king of the Jews, Herod. They are more faithful and anticipatory about what God is doing than Herod himself. And so I want us to I want you to start with this thought. We're going to end with this thought at the end. But if you want to hear God speak, you need to listen. Wow, pastor, that is really profound. If you want to hear, you got to listen. I think every parent has said something like that each week of their life. But uh, if you want to hear, you got to listen. The trouble is, in, in our world today, there is so much to listen to. We listen to an awful lot. Recently, I was kind of humored because uh, I was at the Y, and I was watching people who were exercising, and everybody I saw 
myself included. So I'm guilty. Everybody I could see around me, myself included, were listening to headphones. Everybody there working out had headphones on and, I don't know, listening to music, listening to a podcast. I don't know what they were listening to. But none of us in my proximity in that building were listening to each other. We were listening to headphones. And I still do that. I go and I put the headphones in and I listen to some music. And uh, I have a little voice in there that says, you've been exercising for three minutes. You've been exercising for 20 minutes. And it's kind of annoying, but it keeps me going. The world we live in today is filled with all kinds of voices. And in fact, I would add to that, it's not just all kinds of voices. The world we live in today is filled with a lot of noise. It's just sound. And in fact, there's so much sound around us, we have a hard time differentiating what's important from what is just there. And as a result, because there's so much going on, there's so much information, there's so much sound, there's so much noise, we tend to block a lot. And we don't listen very well. We tune out a lot of things. And for some of us, we become really good at this. My family will tell you that I have reached level 49 expert at this. I can be so focused on something that there can be entire conversations going on in the car without the radio on and I couldn't tell you what they said. And eventually, one of them will call me out and go, hey, what do you think? And I'll go, huh? Because I am somewhere else. My mind, my thoughts, my attention is on something else and I cannot listen to one conversation in the car while... I'm focused on something else, which I happen to think is far more important than the conversation in the car. Apparently, that's debatable. (laughs) We have filled our lives with so much noise that we have created ways to block out noise so we can wear headphones. And we put on these headphones and we can block out other noise. And doctors have come up with this idea that if we put a stethoscope into our ears, we can hear a person's heart. And when we listen to the heart, we can be trained to hear things that are not healthy and normal to the rhythm of the heart. And so you can put on the stethoscope and you can block other things out. And so here's what I would suggest to you. There's so much going on around us. We need some form of a spiritual stethoscope attached to our heart so that we can hear the voice of God and give us the ability to block out everything else. Because all those other voices make it awfully hard to filter and to pay attention and focus on what God is saying. It's hard to filter out all the other noise. And part of the trouble is a lot of the other noise in our lives are filled with untruth. It's lies. We hear a lot of lies. A lot of lies. I would suggest to you that just about every commercial you watch on TV desensitizes you from the truth. Every time we watch an ad on TV, it tells us that somehow our life will be incredibly better with their product. 
And they do crazy things to get our attention. So we have used car dealers who dress up in weird ways and and have crazy sayings that get fixed into our attention and, and galvanized into our memory so that we will think about them when we think about cars. And I've got to tell you, I am with you on this. As a kid... Growing up in Africa, we did not have television. There was no broadcast TV in Africa when I was a kid. We had radio, but that was it. And so when we would return to the U.S. on home assignment, we would come back. Most often we would arrive back in Los Angeles because my dad's parents lived there and lots of family around the L.A. area. And so for a kid coming from Africa where there's no TV and very little media in in general, to land in L.A., is just crazy. It's shocking. And so we would land in L.A. and we would stay with our family there. And us kids, we couldn't wait to turn on the TV and watch TV because we didn't have that. And so we would watch Leave it to Beaver and The Andy Griffith Show and I Dream of Jeannie. And these things would just go on for hours. And in that, if any of you were in, the, in Los Angeles in the 70s and 80s, you're going to know exactly who I'm talking about. But in that time, I got to know this guy by the name of Cal Worthington. Anybody know who Cal Worthington is? Sid's nodding. You spent time in Southern California. If you spent time in Southern California, you would know Cal Worthington. And this is what is galvanized. I heard this, and it is just it is locked into my memory. If you want a good used car, go see Cal. If you want a good news car, go see Cal. It was the, it was the little jingle, the Cal Worthy. And he dressed up in the craziest ways, and he brought weird animals. He'd have an elephant on his car lot, or a camel, or a donkey. And, and, and watching his commercials was bizarre. Particularly for kids from Africa who go, well, we've seen elephants, but never an elephant sitting in front of a car like that in Los Angeles. But here's the thing. I, I suspect that Cal Worthington sold a lot of cars that were not as good as he told everybody. But he was really good at getting the message across. Here's the thing for us. Some of us have heard things over and over and over again. So much it's, it's written into the tape that is rewound in our head and our heart. And it comes back to us and it resounds with truth. And it captures our attention. And those are lies. And they may be things like, you're worthless. You're just a mess. Nobody loves you. You're all alone in this. Everybody's given up on you. They hate you. Whatever the tape is that plays in our head, that that reruns the lies, it interferes with the voice of God. And we tend to listen to those lies very carefully. And they tend to be incredibly negative. And the exception to that is that they are incredibly deceptive. And so we hear things over and over again about what is possible when it's not really possible. Or what would feel good or seem like better, but it's not really better. You should try this. Nobody will care. It won't really matter. And so here's the thing. Those voices conflict with the voice of God. 
But we get to be really good at hearing and identifying those lies, especially when we believe them. Especially when we believe them. And so for some of us here today, I know that we, in order to listen intently to God, we've got to find ways of breaking that tape and turning off those voices in our heads and in our hearts. You see, the thing is, when we tend to believe them, we bring those voices really close. But voices that tell us lies that we bring close are easy to identify because they are voices that do not bring us hope. They're voices that reinforce despair. They reinforce distance from others. They reinforce a negative sense of our worth. And so I, my, my first prayer for us as we launch into listening to God is, Lord, help us shut down and close out and become deaf to the lies that the world has inundated us with that now have become something we just repeat in our heads like a song that we can't stop from hearing. So... There's a lot to listen to, but we want to listen to God. And when we listen to God, we are always listening to God with expectation. We never never listen to God as though nothing is going to happen. Ever thought about that? There's a reason for that. When we say, well, Lord, speak to me, we're anticipating that something's going to happen. And the reason why we think that when the Lord speaks, something's going to happen, and there's several reasons it could be added, but I think one of them is because we see the overwhelming chronicle of history, particularly in Scripture, is that when God speaks to people, he's about to do something. When God says something to people, it's because, oh, by the way, something's coming. It might be a Christ child. It might be a war. It might be another kind of redeemer or another kind of person who's going to save. But when God speaks, it's because I'm going to do something here. And so history, scripture, reinforces that when God speaks, something's going to happen. And so we have this expectation. Another reason why is because we generally tend to believe that God... Not only does he preempt his action with words, but he prepares his people. That's why we came through the preparation thing. And when God speaks to us, it's because he's getting us ready. And he's getting us tuned, and he's getting us uh, in some form in a compliant state so we can be transformed. But I'm reminded, and scripture reminds us of this too, that when we hear the voice of God... Being fearful, being scared to death is not an unreasonable thing. Now, we might look back at Scripture and we see all these people, particularly in the Old Testament, when the the Lord or an angel, a messenger of the Lord showed up, that they thought, oh, I am done. I'm toast because I have seen God and that happens and then God either smites. I mean, he either punishes and you're done. Or he changes things so much that I'm, I'm no longer part of the equation. 
Um, that was kind of their thinking back then, and we could go into that more, but I don't want to spend too much time. But we see over and over, we see people like Gideon, when, when the Lord shows up, the Gideon goes, oh my word, I'm done. We see people like Isaiah, who says, woe is me, for I am undone. That's how he responded, oh my goodness, I've seen God, and I am no good here. We see that over and over again. And so what we see when the Lord shows up and begins to speak, overwhelmingly when God speaks to his people, his way of introducing himself, his way of greeting us is what? Say it loud, Bill. Absolutely. Fear not. Do not fear. Because When we actually hear the voice of God, it is scary. And it is natural, normal, helpful to hear God's voice going, don't be afraid. And you might go, well, wait, we know God is love. We know God does good things. Why would I be afraid of God's voice? Well, I am telling you, when God begins to speak to you about what changes he wants to make in your life, it will scare you and me. God never does trivial things. And so when God starts speaking and he's going to do something, it's not going to be small. It's not going to be insignificant. It's not going to be something that I can just walk on by. And so I am thankful that when God shows up, he speaks peace. He brings peace first. Do not fear, even though what I'm about to tell you is radically different from where you've been. The next piece is when we listen to God, it's exciting because God doesn't leave things in a broken state. He doesn't leave things a mess. That's not the way God works. And so when God begins to speak and he starts to reveal things to us is because God is doing his good work, his craftsmanship in the world through us, with us, to us. And so when God speaks, listening to God is an exciting thing. And it's even more exciting. I think it's the, the excitement of it is multiplied when God speaks to more than one of us at the same time and we can look at each other and go, mm-hmm. And so for me to hear Sid up here going, you know, man, iron sharpening iron, it, it it's confirms something deep inside me that God has spoken here and I can go, oh, yes, and I can raise my own voice in agreement with him. And it's exciting. I want to tell you a story about Jennifer. Um, Jennifer started coming to our church in Illinois. She was one of those unbelievers that showed up at our doorstep. She came because she was friends with another young lady in our church. Their two sons went to kindergarten together, and they became friends. And her friend Tammy, who is a missionary at heart, Tammy said, you should come to church with us because Jennifer just said, I'm having a hard time in my life. Jennifer's husband had left her and had left her in bad shape. And so Jennifer started showing up at our church, and she was very quiet, and she would kind of sit at the back with her son, Ty, uh, this little boy, and she didn't engage much, she didn't visit much, she just kind of would make a beeline for the door when the services were over. And uh, occasionally we could engage her in conversation, but she was pretty guarded and hurt. And by her own words, I don't really believe in Jesus, but I'm a mess. That's why I'm here. 
And our response as a church, thankfully, was, well, that's exactly why you're here. <laughs> and so we just kind of loved Jen and came alongside her and got to know who she was very slowly. She lowered some of her defenses and let us meet her and get to know her personality. And come to find out she was a wonderful person. She had this great sense of humor, and she was not as introverted as she let on. She was just hurt. But her problems didn't exactly go away. And, and Jen told a series of stories to me and to our church a little bit later. It happened over a series of weeks. One day she had dropped her son off at school and she was driving across town and she had decided that her hopelessness had reached the point where she was going to drive home and she was going to take her own life. And so she was sitting at a traffic light in, Spring, in downtown Springfield, Illinois, on the other side of town from our church, all the way across town. And she prayed. In her words, she said, I prayed for the first time in a long time. But she said, Lord, if, if you don't want me to do this, you need to send me a sign. Be careful praying that prayer, please. But she did. She said, send me a sign that that is not what I should do. And she's sitting there at the traffic light, and she's weeping, she's crying, she ties at school, so she thinks, you know, he, and, and I think she, he had other plans after school, so he wouldn't come home, and she'd arranged all these things. And she's weeping there, praying to God, and as she's there, our youth pastor was driving our church van, we had a church van, and emblazoned on the side was Knox Knowles Free Methodist Church, and she's sitting there, and she's weeping, and she looks up as traffic's going by, and the church van goes through, and the traffic comes to a standstill with the church van right in front of the nose of her car. Now, some of us would go, what a nice coincidence. But for Jen, who really, it, that's where it counted, she took that as a sign from God and went home and called Tammy and said, Tammy, I'm a mess today. Can we get together and... Several weeks later, I found out that Jen had a significant drinking problem. And she had come to church one Sunday morning, and she had heard me preach a message on listening to the voice of God. And she told herself during my message, she said, God doesn't speak to me because he knows I'm not a great person. And so she was replaying that lie. And I had a meeting that evening, but I was getting ready for the meeting that Sunday evening, and my phone rang, and it was Jen, and I answered my cell phone. I said, hey, what's going on? And she said, can I come by and talk to you? And I said, well, I've got about 15 minutes free, if you can make it. Sure. And she came and she drove by, and she told me the next chapter in the story was that she had, after church, she had gone and uh, bought some lunch, didn't have her son, he was with her, his dad, uh, bought something to eat and decided it was a beautiful spring day. She was going to go to the park. Washington Park is a gorgeous park in Springfield. And she bought a case of beer. And she said, I decided I was going to go to the park and I was going to eat my lunch and then I was going to go home and get so drunk I passed out. And she said, I ate my lunch in the park and I was walking around and I kept saying, Pastor Hink said, you would speak to me, Lord, but you never speak to me. You never speak to me. And I'm listening, but you don't speak to me. You speak to him and you speak to others, but you don't speak to me. And, and she said, there I was and I was ready to, I was getting the keys out of my pocket. And she said, in my heart, I heard the Lord say, 
don't go home and drink. And it started her journey to sobriety. I just want to tell you, if you ask God to speak, he will speak. Be prepared to listen. It's exciting. I am so thankful for what God did in Jen's life. And and even to this day, she's on Facebook and I get to see and Ty's taller than I am now. And he was a little kid back then. And to see that God has kept her and her family and has done great things in her life because she dared to ask God to speak. You see, this brings me to that third one up there. Listening to God is transformational. It changes us from hearing the lies of the world to hearing the voice of the Savior. So join me in this next short chapter and say, okay, Lord, speak. Let us hear what you have to say because we expect something. And when we listen for God, we are always listening for something better, better than where we are now. For some of us, that is incredibly appealing because we say, well, where I am right now is awful. It's horrible, and I want out. I want something to change. God, do something. For others of us, we go, well, I'm not sure I want things to change because where I'm at right now is comfortable. And God wants to change that too. Comfort is only designed for us to heal and rest and then to move on. And then comfort will come again when it's time for us to heal and rest. But here's this. Christ always wants better than the way things are right now. Always. Christ is never prepared to settle for something that is good enough. It's not the way the Lord works. And what the Lord always desires over everything else is for our hearts to be fixed on him, for us to be in love with him. So when he speaks, it's because he wants to draw us close and he wants us to love him. There's this remarkable thing about Christ. You know, we read about the Christ child coming and the Magi and, and then, you know, growing and having this ministry and dying for our sins. But the work of Christ is not over. It's not done. It is ongoing. And scripture tells us that Christ is at work on our behalf all the time, advocating for us, interceding for us, appealing for better. In fact, this is what it says in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25. Therefore, speaking of Christ, he is able once and forever to save those who come to God through him. That salvation thing. And then he goes on. He lives forever to intercede with God on their behalf. The work of Christ that is ongoing is this, that he speaks to the Father for us. And so there's this communication thing that's going, and when, and when God speaks to us, and, God is speaking to God, uh, and, and Christ is speaking to the Father, we understand that he is advocating for something better. So when we hear the voice of God, it comes from a heart that says, we can do better. We can do better. Maybe you've been in that place where you thought, you know what, I could settle for this, but if I wait, if I work, if I tarry, if I trust, 
we could do even better than this. And so I just want to challenge you that as we listen to God, let's remind one another that as God speaks, it's because he wants to do something that looks better than where we are right now. I said at the beginning, if you want to hear God speak, you need to listen. So I really want us to tune our hearts to the Lord. And I want to close with this thought. Then we need to wire our hearts to hear God's voice. And part of that wiring is we need to set aside We need to set aside the things that scream at us and they're yelling lies and profanities. And we need to say, speak, Lord, your servant hears, just like Samuel did so long ago. So here's my challenge to you today. Maybe you're just at a place where you go, yeah, I'm ready to say, Lord, speak. I'm, or I've been saying that, and the Lord has been speaking to me, and I just need to confirm that with some around me. That's great. There are some of you, though, that I'm convinced. I know there are some of us that have been listening to things. We've been replaying the tape, and it's telling us very negative things about us. And we need to interrupt that and say, Lord, that is not of you. And we need to break that. And if you're there, I want you to let us pray with you. And I know this is, again, I'm asking for fearful stuff, but this is a loving congregation, so don't be too afraid. But if you're there and you go, I've got to undo a lie that I keep listening to, that I'm told by people around me, and I've come to accept it in myself. If you would come to the front, Pastor Stephanie, myself, Sid's available Several of us will come and circle around you. We will pray. We will talk. We will, we will go through the lie and we will name it and we'll ask God to destroy it and set you free from that. So let's bow our heads as the, as the band comes back up to lead us in a hymn here at the end. Lord God, as we set ourselves to listen to you, we need your help to undo the voices that we have become so familiar with. We recognize them when they say these things. We look for them to show up when family gets together, when we encounter stuff at work, when we talk to our kids or our spouse or our parents. And yet, God, we need you to interrupt those lies that that tear us apart and, and break our hearts And so, Jesus, as we come to you, we pray that you would rewrite that and that your voice would be much louder in our lives than that so that we can push it aside and welcome the truth from you. So, Jesus, one's already come, and there's more of us that need to come and say, okay, Lord, we want to stop hearing that which robs us of you. In your name.